y'all please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is, it is said that uh, the foot of the cross, or at the foot of the cross, it's level playing field. That means all of us, uh, no matter the differences in, uh, in look or abilities or gifts, uh, we come to the cross and we're all the same. We're all, we're all sinners. You don't rank sin. You simply love all. And the cross was your literal expression of arms open wide to a world in need. And so there are people here today, myself included, that, that need you. Uh, may, we, may we look past any differences of looks or past. It, it's so easy for us to see that, that perfect-looking person in comparison to that explicitly broken person uh, as our world judges and crafts different degrees of brokenness. But you don't. And we as your church should not. So I pray that we would internalize the words of that song that we just sang. And it's hard for us to think of ourselves as as a wretch but the writer of amazing grace john newton he he knew the truth that he was he was a wretch but he saw a big god and a great god that transformed him gave him the words to write that song that, that we sing and has been transformed and changed and adopted and it is amazing grace so instead of always looking at ourselves or how good or how not so good or how good or not so good another person is, may we see you as this big, great, wonderful, awesome and awe-inspiring God that has a purpose for each life here and a call for each life here to go out into this world in this season that you have given us before we reach our eternal home. Uh, to go for you. I pray more and more people would see that and know that. The power of your grace, the power of the cross, the power of your call, because of you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for praying. Have a seat. Again, thank you all for being here. Uh, what, uh, what we're doing this month, uh, while I'm here, there have been voices that have spoken into my life over the years. And I think it's, I think it's very good uh, for y'all to hear different voices. And so these voices that I admire uh, most, uh, it's my honor to, to be here, to listen to them again and to introduce them. And so today we have a friend and mentor, Dr. Dolphus Weary. Welcome him first before he gets on up. Dr. Dolphus Weary. Uh, he is a, uh, he's a friend and supporter of this church family, and you're going to hear from him, so he really he needs no introduction. I will say this. Have you ever... Have you ever felt like, hey, I want to go somewhere and do something, and God says no? And God redirects your life to somewhere else that you're like, I don't want to be there. Anybody ever feel like that? You can say yes or amen. I don't know. Yes or amen. Anybody feel like that? Nobody does? Everybody's exactly where they want to. Okay, that's good. All right, well, anyway. But... There are times, and I'm not talking about, you, you may think, you mean like this, I got to move or I need to be somewhere else. No, I mean, there are decisions that you make that God closes the door. There, sometimes there are things you're like, I know best, 
And God says, no, I know best. Uh, so Dolphus, and I don't know if you're going to share this, brother, but, uh, but Dolphus, a big part of his life was like that. And he left Mississippi, and he said, I ain't never coming back. I ain't never coming back because of things that had happened to him, things that he had seen, things he had experienced. He said, I ain't never coming back, and I'm going to stay in the greener fields of wherever all it was. And God said, no, you are coming back. And I have a, a plan and a work for you to do there. And it has uh, been quite a work for the kingdom that he has done, bringing uh, people uh, who are very different together uh, in, in this, our home state, and building bridges and connecting people. Uh, he is a bridge builder. He is uh, a proclaimer of the gospel. And now I, I do want to highlight this. He, is, uh, he has felt called that this last uh, season of his ministry I'm not going to say life, of his ministry, okay? His last season of his ministry, he wants to go back to where it all started, uh, to, to smaller, poorer, rural communities in this state. You know, we can talk about reaching people in cities, and Jackson is a city. We can talk about reaching people all over the world, Honduras and India. But sometimes the most overlooked, and I come from, my wife can tell you, a small rural community in the sticks, okay? Uh, and sometimes these are the folks that are often overlooked. So he's been going back to help build communities, strengthen rural poor communities uh, in our state in this last season of his ministry. And my, and my hope, because I know we've got a lot of guys uh, who work with uh, kids across the state in some rural communities, I just hope that this will not be only an opportunity to hear Dolphus, but also connect with him and the Real Christian Foundation. That's his ministry, Real Christian Foundation. He may say something about it, but uh, thank you for being here. Give him another welcome as he comes up and gets ready, and uh, know you're going to bless us, brother. Plus, I'll move it, okay? If we're having any problems, we'll just go ahead and move it. I have a major challenge. For some reason or another, I'm on some medication that, uh, that drives me out, okay? So I'm going to need uh, some help. And if I run out of this one, uh, Pastor, I got another one sitting right there, Okay? So, so, so just, just know that, just in case I run out, uh, the difficulty that uh, we might have. What a special joy uh, to be here. Thank you, my friend. Um, I can call you John, right? Yeah. John Hewitt, okay. Do I have to say Pastor John Hewitt? No. Okay. All right. Nobody, I got to understand I deal with this, this culture and the black culture. Once you feel called to preach, you're, you're called Reverend. In the black culture, no matter how young you are or no matter what, but if you feel like you've been called to preach and you tell somebody you've been called to preach, then you, everybody expects you to call them reverend. So it's reverend this person and reverend that person. And I'd be meeting people all the time, and I'd put my hand out and said, I'm Dolphus Weary, and they said, I'm reverend so-and-so. I'm going, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, I'm glad that's who you are. This is... Um, 
great to be here today. And when I came in uh, to, today, I said uh, that there are a couple of reasons why you can look around and say, this guy's a visitor. Number one, uh, he might not look like us. He's African-American, black, whatever. You can say, okay, that's good. A visitor. The second thing you look around and say, you got a tie and a suit on. <laughs> he must not know <laughs> Bellwether Church. I remember going out to California and speaking at uh, Newport Beach at a place called St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach. Got out there and we had a, they had a Saturday evening service, serve, service and they had two services on Sunday morning. And that evening I walked in there in my suit and tie on and I got up to preach and the pastor camped and said, you got to take the tie off. And he proceeded to undress me in terms of my tie and my coat. We'll lay the coat over here. You don't need a tie and you don't need a suit at this place. But I didn't think in Jackson, Mississippi, though. <laughs> Not in Jackson, Mississippi. In Jackson, Mississippi, you're, you're dealing with Southern culture. You're dealing with the fact that people expect you to have a suit and a town when you go to a church. And, and this morning I walked in and I said, yep, you're a visitor. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here to have this opportunity to be with you. The passage of scripture we're looking at a little bit is in, in uh, uh, Acts chapter 20. You've been studying the book of Acts and been going through some things and when Pastor John and I talked. I said, well, you know, I'll pick out a few verses and we'll deal with a few things in, in Acts chapter 20. Allow me to read it uh, in your hearing this morning, uh, Acts uh, chapter 20, verses 17 uh, through 21. Verses 17 through 21. And from Aletheus, he sent uh, to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by lying the weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Paul wanted the elders to know something. They wanted the elders to be reminded of something. I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that what I've done over the years that I've been with you, I have not even, even, even apologized for the fact that I've been pushing you in a particular direction. As an early church, I've been pushing you to be a church that will be open I've been pushing you to be a group of folk that the walls fall down. I've been pushing you to be a group of folk that will look out and see everybody as a person that God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. 
I've been pushing you. And sometimes pushing you didn't feel good because I've gone through a lot of pain and a lot of temptation. There's a song of these words that says, it's a cultural song that says, someday he'll make it plain. I do not know why oft around me my hopes all shattered seems to be. God's perfect plan I cannot see, but someday I'll understand. I cannot tell the depth of love that moved the Father's heart above, my faith to test, my love to prove, uh, but someday I'll understand. Though trials come through passing days, my life will still be filled with praise, for God will lead through darkened ways, but someday I'll understand. Someday he'll make it plan to me. Someday from tears I shall be free. Someday I'll understand. And there are people all around us, poor people, people who don't feel like anybody care. There are people all around us that's wondering and crying out, when will my day come? When will my day come? Who care about me? And who care about what I'm doing? Who care about who's going to dare touch me with the love of Jesus? And, and, and Paul says, I made sure that in Acts, I tried to help you elders understand some things. Well, in chapter 1, that was the verse that, that I love. It says, in verse 6, it says, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the dates of the that the Father has set by his own authority. But what I want you to do is... After you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. Look what he says. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the remotest parts of the world. That's what the church needs to be doing. That's what the church is there for, to be able to move, to reach out. But let me look a little bit at the verses that we talked about. For it says in verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Paul wanted to speak directly to the leadership. And if I want to say to you, I am so happy about the leadership of this church because the leadership of this church says we want to be a church, but we want to be different. The leadership of this church has said we want to be a church, but we want to be a church that reaches out. The leadership of this church says we want to be a church, but we don't want to be just a bunch of people that get together and feel good. But we want to be a church that maybe want to reach out and talk about how to be a little bit more uncomfortable in reaching out. In verse 18, it says, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time that I was with you from the first day until now. You know how I've taken the gospel out. You know how I've encouraged you to take the gospel out. You know how I've encouraged you to reach out. You know. In verse 19, I served the Lord with great humility. No matter what you heard, no matter what somebody said, what I want you to know is the truth of the matter is that I made sure that you heard the gospel and I made sure that you wanted to reach some barriers. You know that I have served the Lord with great humility and with tears. You know some of the pain that I've gone through in working with you 
in this area. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, there's the parable of the, of the, the seed, the sower, and the soil. So listen, go sow the seed. Listen, sometimes we wonder about where it's going to fall. Go sow the seed. But no, 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 help me understand where it's going to fall. Go sow the seed. Well, maybe those folk don't want the seed. Go sow the seed. And I love the passage of Scripture. Says, it says, the goal of the sower is to sow the seed. And some of it fell on rocky ground and fell on rocky ground. Well, the first one, some of it fell on hard ground. And when it fell on hard ground, it bounced up and the birds came and ate it and took care of it. But some fell on rocky ground and, and came up and, 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 and all of a sudden the soil was not deep enough. Some fell among thorns and thistles. And when it came up, it was choked out. But here's the message. Don't worry about where the seed falls. That's not your job. <laughs> Sometimes what we want to do is we want to, we want to try to take God's place. We want to try to take God. You sow the seed. And Paul says, that's what I did. I sowed the seed. And I was willing to sow the seed. And in verse 21 says, I have declared it both to the Jews and to the Greek that they must turn to God in repentance, both the Jews and the Greek. Paul says, that he means, let's clear it out. The message is true. The message needs to go to the Jews. The message needs to go to the Greeks. The message needs to go to everybody. I want you to know that I grew up in Mississippi. Graduated from high school in Mendenhall. Became a Christian at age 17 under the ministry of John Perkins there. And, and God began to have us studying the word of God. The more we studied the word of God, the more God put inside of me a, a desire to want to be a part of dis distributing that word of God. But I looked around in my community and I saw the black pastor who lived 50 to 100 miles away from the community would come to the community once a month, preach a message, take up an offering and leave and won't come back for another month. I said, Lord, I don't want to be that kind of minister. I remember the poverty in my family. I remember my mother was, was, was rearing eight children and the pastor would come to our house and she had to make sure everything was ready for him. Make sure that food was on the table, food that we never ate, but we made sure that he had chicken and he had cake and had all that stuff. And they'd sit there and eat, and we'd sit back and be hungry. I said, Lord, I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I said, Lord, I'd heard about this Christian college called a Christian liberal arts college, call it Bellhaven, call it Mississippi College. I heard about these colleges where you can major in math and science and English and, 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 and study the Bible all at the same time. I said, that's where I want to go. I want to go to one of these schools where I can learn the word of God, but I want to get a degree so that I can get a job so that I can take care of my family. Well, that was the plan. <laughs> Graduated from high school in 1965, Tried to get into one of those schools. Was turned down, or at least could not get into Bellhaven, could not get into Mississippi College. Could not get into a school up in Ohio called Cedarville College. 
But God in his providence, I couldn't go to Cedarville College, but God in his providence sent me to Pinewood School. And I was at Pinewood School when John MacArthur and the team came from Southern California. They came down to the school I was going to. They found out I was a Christian. They found out I played basketball. And they began to talk to me about a basketball scholarship to go to school in California. Boarded the bus in Jackson, Mississippi, went across the Mississippi River Bridge at Vicksburg. The only thing I think about was, bye, Mississippi, I'm gone. I ain't never coming back to Mississippi. I'm tired of racism. I'm tired of poverty. I'm tired of injustice. I am getting out of here. Got out to California and discovered that racism beat me out there. And what God taught me, listen, believers, what God taught me, was that racism is not a Mississippi problem. It's not a Southern problem. But it's a problem of the heart. And where is the greatest place for the heart to be changed? Is the church. That's the greatest place for the heart to be changed, is the church. Ended up graduating from college out there, went to seminary, in my second year of seminary, I was selected to go with a Christian basketball team that toured the Orient. And so we were going to Taiwan and Philippines and Hong Kong, preaching it at halftime, sharing our faith to folk, passing out tracts, interacting with folk. We played 65 ball games in six weeks because the goal was everybody loved basketball. We wanted to reach as many people as we could with the gospel. And the coach of my team began to see, Dolphus, how well you work with people. He said, Dolphus, why don't you consider becoming a missionary on the overseas crusade to Taiwan or Philippines or Hong Kong? And the first thing out of my mouth was any place but Mississippi. (laughs) Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart. Dolphus, are you thinking about going to a mission field? Or are you running away from a mission field in Mississippi? And God put it in my spirit that he wanted me to come back to Mississippi. But that wasn't easy. Because I graduated from seminary in 1971. And John Perkins came to me and said, Dolphus, we're ready for you to come back to Mendenhall, Mississippi. We're ready for you to come back to join the fight. Then the next thing out of his mouth was that in order for you to come back to Mississippi, you got to go raise your own support. And I went, there's something wrong with this picture. I said, Lord, I didn't go to college and seminary to go big for people to support me. Let my carnality come out now, okay? I didn't go, I grew up poor in Mississippi. I grew up in a racist community in Mississippi. I grew up where we didn't have nothing hardly. I didn't go to college to come back and go out and beg people to support me. I went to college to get a job, get an education so I can get a job and earn money. But God had to teach me to wait on him and depend on him. Came back to Mendenhall, Mississippi in 1971. Worked in that ministry in Mendenhall, Mississippi. Sharing the good news of the gospel across barriers, poverty barriers. And then left that ministry in 1998 and God opened up a door for me to work with an organization called Mission Mississippi. And I thought, wow. God, you've now done it. You had me working with the poor, but now you've opened up a door for me to work with the Christian community throughout Mississippi 
to begin to help Christians understand that, that white Christians and black Christians, it needs to be something that the gospel needs to be so powerful that we see those walls break down and fall because we all need to change. And I remember that I had the challenge to preach in a black church one Sunday and a white church the next Sunday because the idea is unless we are challenged, we'll stay where we are. Unless we are challenged, we'll, we will allow racism to dictate our Christian faith and our Christian life. We will allow racism to stop us from reaching out. We will allow stuff to stop us from being the people of God. And I remember we had this wonderful privilege of reaching across those barriers. So I understand what Paul had to deal with when he dealt with the church because you had the Jews thought they were right and the Greeks thought they were right and you had separation and division. And Paul says, wait a minute, none of us got it right. But you know something? We all got to come to the foot of the cross. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you need to come to the foot of the cross. And that's why I like Ephesians chapter 2, what it says in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, he's our peace who has made both one and has torn down the wall that separates us. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law and the commandments with its regulations so that from the two, one new person can happen. And that is one body reaching out. You know, elders, we did that. I was taking the word out. Leaders of Bellwether, thank you. Thank you for saying that you want a church that can look at Acts and say, let's do it. Amen? Amen. And instead, of, instead of hiding, instead of sugarcoating and instead of trying to pick and choose what you're going to do. But you look at it and say, we want that to happen. We don't want this just to be another United Methodist Church. That's it right. That's it. Y'all, y'all. We're out. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't just be another Methodist Church. Let me tell you. But how, Lord, we can get outside of the four walls how that the message can go beyond the four walls, how the message can reach out into the neighborhood so that it becomes very true of you. The songwriter that says, reach out and touch somebody's hand, make this world a better place, start within the church. Start reaching out and touching each other in the church. Start loving each other in the church. And the more you love each other church, then let it spill over into the community. Because guess what? If you can learn how to love each other, well, I guess y'all are working on Listen, listen. If you can learn how to love each other within the church, love across differences, that it's okay for you to be different than somebody else when it comes to, when it comes to racial. It's okay for you to be different than somebody when it comes to political stuff. We got to learn how to love each other across the barriers. And the hardest thing for me when I dealt with Mission Mississippi was to get people to love across the barriers because everybody was caught in their own little bit of narrow world. God's world is bigger than your world. I don't care how good you think your world is. God's world is bigger than your world. He wants our world to be bigger than who we are. 
He wants our world to be bigger than a narrow sense of this is who I am and I want everybody else to be just like me. In a devotional on June the 29th, it says this, the picture of love. Loving our neighbor has been an important part of our Christian life from the beginning. That is what John talked about. He says, I'm writing to you a new commandment, and that new commandment is that you love one another. You love one another. Let me tell you something, though, folks. Keep looking at me. Looking out, reaching out is not always easy. Let, let, let me tell you. Let me put it a different way. Reaching out is not easy. Let me put it that way. I can say it's not always. Reaching out is not easy because I love to be comfortable. But you know something? We serve a God doesn't call, that calls us not to comfortability. But he calls us to be change agents. We are change agents. We are change agents. And I remember going into some places and we want to reach out to be change agents. In 1971, when I graduated from L.A. Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, I got a master's in, in Christian education. I had preached in a lot of Baptist churches out in California. But they could not, they looked at me and said, Dolphins, we can't support you to go back to Mississippi. Because you're going back to Mississippi to talk about working with poor people. You're talking about going back dealing with evangelism and discipleship. You're talking about going back and dealing with tutoring. You're talking about dealing with recreation. You're talking about reaching the community. And the only thing we want you to do is tell people about Jesus. We don't want you to worry about people housing. We don't want to worry about what people, what people can read. We don't want you to worry about what people's situation is because we want you to just get people saved. And if you go back to Mississippi just to get people saved, we will support you. But if you go back to Mississippi and you start talking about trying to reach the poor community and helping the people there to understand that they love Jesus and Jesus loved them and Jesus don't like for them to be in poverty, Jesus doesn't like for them to be in that situation, that Jesus wants them to come out of that situation, we can't support you. But God, God raised up another group of people that supported us to come back to begin to reach out in that community. And we developed a ministry that uh, became a national model. There were evangelical churches across the country that used to come down to Mendenhall to see the health clinic, to see the recreation center, to see the adult education center, to see the, what we were doing in terms of a Genesis 1 Christian school. They came down there to see what we were doing in housing, they came down there to see it because they said, our communities in inner city Dallas need this. In inner city Minnesota, it needs it. In inner city, in inner city Seattle, it needs it. And you can show us how to do it. I remember a young lady, a young white couple, very timid looking, came in from Dallas, Texas. Came up there and spent two or three days or so talking about that. They want to go into West Dallas. I said, y'all crazy. You know, because they... they young and timid and interjected like if somebody said boo they'd run I mean they going in the Dallas you don't want somebody going in West Dallas but they say but we believe that God wants to take the gospel into West Dallas and then not just go in there and preach and run out but to go in there and be with them so they flew around and took a soccer ball 
and went out into the community and rolled that soccer ball out there and had kids playing soccer, kicking the soccer ball. The one week playing soccer. The next week they played soccer. The next week they played soccer. What they did was they used the soccer ball to draw kids to them. They used that soccer ball. They started out with what the kids wanted. The kids wanted attention. The kids wanted love. The kids wanted to know how to get involved. They started with their need. And they built a ministry. I served on the board for 10 years. I used to go to Dallas and speak to encourage people to get behind them. And when former President George Bush, Bush went through the nation naming organization points of light, they named this ministry Voice of Hope, one of their points of light. But it started with somebody saying, we just want to get to know some of the kids. And we want them to know that we love them and that we want to introduce them uh, to Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to encourage you to move and move forward. I remember uh, years ago, a group came from up in Illinois. They came down to Jackson, Mississippi, and they went to Voice of Calvary. And they, were look, they called themselves Mission Impossible. In other words, they went out to find a mission that was impossible to do, and then they believed God to help them put together whatever it take to do it. And so the people in Jackson did not have one. This was in 1985. So they called me. They said, Dolphus, do you have a Mission Impossible project? And I went, no, but sent them down there anyway. And when they were on their way down, God brought something to my mind. The year before that, we had 75 kids at Genesis 1 Christian School. And we began to ask the question, is that all the kids that we got who want to come to Genesis 1 School? And we began to survey the parents, and the parents said, we want them to go there, but we can't afford it. And we decided we weren't going to cripple people by giving a free program. So we decided then, if you want to come into school, you can work off, or you can work it off. We started a work program. So parents and grandparents could come and work, and their children could go to Genesis 1 school. Guess what happened? The school doubled. We went from 75 kids to 135 kids. We had kids in corners in classrooms. We had no space. So when this group was in Jackson, I said, well, come down here. There was a two-story building sitting in our community that's been an eyesore in the community. We didn't own the building. But we said, Lord, maybe that's an, maybe that's an impossible group, an impossible dream for a group to do. And so all of a sudden, we, they decided to accept the project. Months later, they brought 160 people from Aurora, Illinois. 85 young people and adults, 60 adults. And they came down to Mendenhall, Mississippi. Don't ask me where they lived, okay? And they worked in the community. The president of People's Bank heard about it. And he came across and said, and met them. And he said, what can we do to help? And the only thing they could do as a bank, they made a decision 
to set up a refreshment stand for these young folk. But listen to this. The ministry started in 1962. I returned in 1971. In 1985, no Christians from the white community had ever asked a question about what can we do to help. Let me say that again. The ministry started in 1962. But up until the time the president of this bank said that, no Christians in the white community has asked the question, what can we do to help? It's deep. It's hard. But I'm so glad that God has taken us to a new level. A new level. And that level is saying, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. And I want to say to you as I close out, I want to say to you, learn how to get out of your comfort zone. Learn how to reach out across the racial lines and socioeconomic lines. Learn how to open up and listen. Learn how to walk the, uh, walk the walk different passes and learn the word intentionality. That was my Mission Mississippi word, John Hugh. Intentionality. If you're going to break out of the box, do something intentional. Paul, in order to reach out to the, to the elders, he said, listen, you got to do something different. you got to be intentional to walk across the barriers of the Jews and walk across the barrier of the Greeks and be the church, not a church of Jewish people and a church of Gentile people, but be the church that crosses the barrier. And I'm so glad that you here are making a decision for God to use you to reach across the barriers. Listen, whenever you get stuck, think about the word intentionality. And that's what you're doing on the 19th. You're being intentional. You're opening up the doors. You're saying to the community, whosoever will, let them come. That's what you're doing on the 26th, intentionality. And for those of you that's been sitting on the stump wondering not whether or not, <laughs> let me leave it alone. Listen, for those of you that's sitting on the stump wondering whether or not you should be involved, yes, you need to be involved. You need to be involved because that's intentionality. That's doing something different than what you normally, what normal churches do. We want to get, we want to have the holy huddle and keep everybody out rather than have open doors and letting people in. So I'm so excited for you, and I want to encourage you to keep on believing God to use you, to open up and allow God to let you be intentional, reaching across barriers, racial barriers, political barriers, socioeconomic barriers, because you really do want to be the church. Let's pray. Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, if we said some things and it didn't come out right, we ask that your Holy Spirit will take it and make it right in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.